signs, there's caution signs. Uh, I work in retail, so uh, we have sales signs. A lot of the ladies are familiar with those. And don't get me wrong, the guys see them too. Don't, don't forget that. Uh, we have warning signs. Uh, signs are designed to give us guidance and direction. The type of sign posted is dependent on the purpose. Traffic and road signs give us direction as to how, to, how we should drive. Uh, there's a stop sign. The stop sign indicates that we should, well, stop. There's a speed limit sign. It's designed to guide us as to how fast we should drive. Uh, that is not a suggestion. If the sign is black and white, that sign actually has authority. <laughs> and we are supposed to follow that guidance. I'll be the first to admit that my V6 sometimes refuses to follow that guidance. It's not me. It's the car. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There, 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 there are street signs to help us to know where we are, and there are caution signs to help us stay safe. So there, there are signs all over. And metaphorically, there are signs for life. The question is, can you discern the signs God has for you? That's the question of the day. We're going to be coming from Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at the, ver the first uh, five verses in Math Matthew chapter 16. Amen? Amen? So if you don't mind... Would you read along with me? Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of, a time, of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now, when, the, when his disciples had come to, to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Today's message is about three simple questions. There are three very simple questions regarding signs. Number one, do you see the sign? Number two, can you understand the sign? And number three, what will you do with the sign once you see it and understand it? How will you act according to the sign? To the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these were... were basically enemies. They were at odds with each other. The Pharisees, uh, 
the religious leaders and, and they, they wanted to keep their power and, 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 and their authority within the, the church. And the Sadducees, they, they were more on the political side and they were more uh, concerned with their wealth and, and, and did not have a lot of the same beliefs as the Pharisees. Yet they found a common enemy. They found a common foe in Jesus the Christ. It, it's funny, uh, even Paul dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he, he even understood that these two groups were at odds with each other. And guess what? Even then, they were coming against Paul. Look at Acts chapter 23, verses 6 through 8. It says this, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope of resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say, there is no resurrection, and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. See, even Paul understood that there is a split in the, the house between the Pharisees and Sadducees. But they, come, they came together to fight against Christ. Isn't it amazing how when somebody is doing the work of the Father, when somebody is doing the work of God, believers, so-called, as well as non-believers will come together to fight against it. We as believers, as Christians, we need to be aware of the signs that are going on around us. We as believers, we need to be aware of the signs of the time. We have to be able to see what's happening. See, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees they had just seen or at least heard of the miracles that Jesus had done. They heard of him healing the sick, healing the lame, giving the sight to the blind. They've heard about him feeding 5,000 with two fish, two loaves and a couple of fish. Even if they didn't see it, even if they weren't there when these things happened, they heard about these miracles. And they would have known about these miracles. This was no surprise to these Pharisees and Sadducees. But there was a reason behind the questioning. There was a reason that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming against Jesus. Matthew 3 and 7. But when John saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his place of baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? There was a reason that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming against Jesus. Then some of the, Matthew 12, 38, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. There was a reason 
that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming together to go against Jesus. Mark 8 and 11 says, Then the Pharisees came and began to argue with, the, with Jesus. They tested him by demanding him to give them a sign. There was a reason that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming against Jesus. John 8 and 6, they said this, it, this to test him in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. There's a reason that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were going after Jesus. Just as there's a reason when in our lives there are times when people come against us. Sometimes we're wondering why some of our own brothers and sisters in Christ are coming against us. Sometimes we wonder what's going on. Why is life so hard on me right now? Why are things going on like this and like that? Why am I struggling in such a way? The reason they demanded a sign from heaven was insincere. But rather it was in the hope to discredit Christ. It was for an opportunity to ensnare him and an opportunity for what they thought would expose him. Their folly was simply this. They failed to notice the signs of the time. Verses 2 and 3 say such. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red in the morning. It will be foul weather today. I'm sorry. He answered and said to them, fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. My question to each and every one of us saints is this. Do you see the sign? Are we looking at the world with open eyes? Can we see most people seeking God? Or are, we, are the majority of them drifting away from him? Do we observe many people following God? Or the many becoming more and more godless. Can we tell what is satanic and what is of Christ? But the big question is, do we even care? That's the question of the day. When we look out into our, our world and, and we see that the, the church is becoming minimalized. There's, there's fewer and fewer people showing up to church on a Sunday morning. There's churches closing every day. I've seen churches become bars. An actual church building in a downtown area of a very large city is now a bar where they're serving alcohol. I've seen, I've looked online and, and, and looked for, uh, just looking 
at, at different historic churches and stuff like that. And it's sad when you see how many of these churches are no longer occupied by the church. But rather, some have been turned to, to housing and into apartments. Some have been turned into department stores. Some have been turned into to nightclubs. It's crazy what's happening. Are you seeing the signs of the time? Do you, when, when, you, when you go out into, into the world and you notice that people, they don't really care about the things of God. It's scary. I was encouraged yesterday while I was at work. I had a couple that, that um, purchased a, an item from me and they weren't gonna ha wanted to have it delivered. And I said, well, there's a delivery slot available tomorrow. And they both looked at me and they were like, oh no, we can't take it tomorrow. And I should not have been surprised. But I was. I was like, oh, okay, are you, are you working tomorrow? Oh no, we're not working tomorrow. Um, are you guys going to be out of town? No, we'll be home. Okay. Tomorrow's the Lord's day conviction instantly on the preacher. How can I even think to try to schedule the delivery on the Lord's day? And they said it just like that and they were so calm and, and, and they were so certain. The Lord's day. And I praise God that there are people like that still. But I'll be honest with you. 99 0.25% of the people, see y'all thought I was going to say 99 99.9. <laughs> 99.25% of the people would have been like, yes, tomorrow's terrific. We'll be home. In fact, if we were going to go to church, we'll just wait around and we'll go to church next week. Amen? The question of the day is, do you see the sign? Jesus said, and, and, and then the next part of that is, can you read the sign? The Pharisees and Sadducees could neither see nor did they care enough to even read the sign. Jesus said, you hypocrite. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the time. Maybe the question I, I should read should say, will you, will you read the sign as opposed to can you read the sign? The Sadducees and the Pharisees opposed Jesus because he threatened their power. He, put, he threatened their political clout, their control, and their wealth status. They didn't care whether or not he was fulfilling prophecy. They wanted to stop him because he was inconvenient. Has there ever been a time when your faith inconvenienced you? Has there, has there ever been a time when, when walking in your faith was inconvenient? 
May I be the first to tell you if your answer is yes, you ain't the only one. Even the preacher is inconvenienced by his faith. But that's a beautiful thing, saints, because that keeps us on the straight and narrow. When the inconvenience comes along and we recognize, yes, it is inconvenient, but yes, I am still going to walk within my faith. It just strengthens you, strengthens your faith, strengthens your resolve to serve Jesus. The question is, can you and will you read that sign? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanted to stop him. They wanted to stop the inconvenience. He was a bother. He would not conform. He was convincing. He was convicting. And he was the truth. Can, can you be convincing and convicting in your faith? Can the people around you, the people who know you the best, are they convinced that you are a Christian? Uh, are you able to convict them through your walk? My question is, can you convince them through your walk and through your faith to turn towards Christ? That's the question. And the reality is, you can only do this through the truth. Jesus was all of that. He was a bother. He would not conform. These are all things that we need to pay attention to. We need to be a bother to somebody today, even if it's to ourselves. We need to be a bother to somebody today, even if it's to one of our family members or our friends. We need to be a bother to somebody today, even if it means ticking off the boss, man, ticking off friends and family. We got to be a bother to somebody today because Jesus was a bother to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Jesus was a bother to the people around him that did not want to have a relationship with the God the Father. Jesus was a bother to anybody who did not want to conform to the ways of God. Jesus was a bother. My question, church, will you be a bother today? He would not conform. Jesus would not do what the Sadducees and the Pharisees wanted him to do. They said, show us a sign from heaven. Jesus said, you have seen signs. You, you know what I can do. You have seen me feed the 5,000. You have seen me heal the blind. You have seen me give, give sight to the blind, give, give life to the dead. You, you've seen all the things I can do, yet you ask me for a sign from heaven. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees believe that for whatever reason that certain miracles can be done by Satan. The reality is Jesus did certain miracles because he wanted to help people. It wasn't to put on a show for a group of Sadducees and Pharisees who had no, no life, who had, no, who had no, no, no part in him. There was no reason for him to see that, show them a sign. They had this sign. Jesus told them what this sign was. There was no reason. Jesus said, I am the son of God. There is no need for me to show off for the likes of you. The reality is, Jesus, he knew who he was and he knew his purpose. He knew what was about to happen to him and he was cool with it. Amen? 
He was convincing. He was willing to go out in front of 5,000 people, preach the gospel, tell them the truth, tell them what he was about to go through. He was willing to show them the way of God. And he was convicting. There was a reason that the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated it. Because the words, the life, the truth that he portrayed showed them how sinful and nasty and dirty they truly were. The reality is, when you read the scripture, you see all that Jesus has done for each and every one of us. It's convicting. His, his words, his life, his, his actions, everything he did helps me to see just how dirty and stinky and sinful Leon Cooper is. He is truth. Can you read the sign? Or should I say, will you read the sign? Jesus basically breaks it down for these two groups in verse 4. And he says, he says the following in verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign shall be given to, given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. That sounds like a drop the mic, walk off the stage moment to me. He, 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 he broke it down to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and anybody that might have been on their side. He said this, these words, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. What did they ask Jesus for? Show us a sign from heaven. Jesus was like, no, 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 not so. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. See, Jesus considered himself Similar to Jonah, you know that, that Jonah spent three days entombed in the belly of a whale. His sole purpose, God sent Jonah, the prophet, out for one purpose and one purpose only, to preach to the people of Nineveh, to tell them the gospel. Jonah understood who the people of Nineveh was. Jonah didn't want to go. But God said, you know, you go, whether you want to or you not, don't want to. Jesus saw himself as a type of Jonah in that for three days and three nights, he, he lay dead in a tomb. Jonah fighting against God, fighting against God's will, was dead spiritually in his heart. His heart had grown black and grown, grown black against God's word because God wanted him to do his will and preach salvation to the evil nation of Nineveh. Jonah knew the power of God. Jonah knew that 
as soon as I speak these words to these Ninevites, they're going to come to God. And I just can't have that. I'd rather die in the ocean. Throw me up overboard. So they said, okay, well, if you're going to keep us from dying, you got to go. So they threw him overboard and he was swallowed by a fish. Here's the thing. Whether you want to do God's will or not, if he got a plan for you to do his will, guess what you're fitting to do? You're getting ready to do God's will, even if you have to spend three nights in the nastiest accommodations available. Jonah spent three nights in the belly of the, of the fish. It wasn't the whale, it said a fish. That bit must have been one great big old grouper. Three nights in the belly of the fish. He had time to think about his decision. He had time to ponder it. And he realized, you know what, God ain't letting me die. And the reality is, God wasn't going to let him die until he did God's will. Jonah was spit up on the shores of Nineveh, and he went to Nineveh and preached the gospel to the Ninevites. The Ninevites became saved and, 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 and had a, 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 a renewed, renewed relationship with God. Three days dead in the tomb of the fish. See, Jesus, he could see the storm coming. And the cause of this storm was standing before him. Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus understood the story of Jonah. Three days entombed in the belly of the fish. Jesus knew the sign. He knew that the storm was at hand. He knew that soon he would encounter the voices of the angry mob led by these so-called religious leaders saying, crucify him! Crucify him! He, like Jonah, would be buried. He would be, he would be beaten, bruised. He would be executed on a tomb, uh, on a, a cross. And, and, and he knew that three days buried in a tomb on the third day, he would be spewed out of the tomb. But the difference is this. Jonah was there for the city of Nineveh. When Jesus died and rose again, he did it for the whole world. When he was raised from the dead, he changed the world forever. It was totally new. Now anybody could be saved from the, from the, the depths of hell simply by loving and knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, coming to him in the free knowledge of Christ and being saved. Jesus, Jonah's death or resurrection, should I say, was simply to save Nineveh. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection was a gift from God, a perfect sacrifice leading to the forgiveness of sin. Jesus 
understood this. He knew that the storm was coming because just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the morning would look, I mean, in the evening, look, look into the, 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 the clouds to see a, a red sky and say, oh, it's going to be a good morning. Or in the evening, look into the sky to see a red threatening sky. They could read the sign and say, we're getting ready to get some bad weather. Jesus could see the signs. He was God. He, was, he already knew. Yet he was 100% man, 100% human. He already knew the signs of the time. The question, the final question. We see the sign. It says, speed limit 55. We drive past the sign. What are we going to do with the sign? Are we going to break it back down from that 70 mile an hour speed limit? We see the 55. Are we breaking it down to 55? Or are y'all doing like some people? Breaking it back down to only maybe 65. Just because some police officer told you that um, they ain't going to stop you unless you're over 10 miles over the speed limit. Yeah. I thought that one time going through Nash County. That is true, except in Nash County. What are you going to do with the sign? That's the last question. We all can look to the sky and see the storm ahead. We go to the store and we buy up all the water and all the bread. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Storm didn't even come through Raleigh. How come I couldn't find no water at Walmart? Buy up all the water, all the bread, all the meat, the stuff that go on your refrigerator. You know your power going out. I digress. <laughs> we, go, we go into the stores and buy up all the water, all the bread. We see the, the storm coming and board up our stores and tape our windows if you're at the coast. We buy up all the generators Keep them in the boxes just in case the storm doesn't come to your house. That way you can uh, take it back to the store. We get, we get all the batteries and flashlights that we can, we can imagine because, as you know, when the lights go out, everybody's up, flash the flashlight around. I don't know about y'all, but when the lights go out at my house, we go to bed. But you got to have the flashlights and the batteries because you're getting ready for the storm. What will you do with the sign? You need to get ready for the storm. Jesus sees the disciples. He sees that they have no bread. Look at this. Now when his disciples had come to him, verse 5, to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Verse 6, then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, when, when, when a storm is coming, when a storm is coming, you have to be prepared. Your heart needs to be prepared. Your mind needs to be prepared. So Jesus tells the, the, the disciples that they need to beware of the leaven 
of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The reality is Jesus is telling the disciples, you need to be prepared because bad things are at hand. He understood that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were setting him up. They were getting ready for him so they could get rid of him. But the disciples needed to understand that when he's gone, they're the next ones in the sights of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because the disciples would carry on the truth of the faith. Leaven is, is yeast, right? And we understand the yeast is powerful. It doesn't take much. It only takes a little yeast to make the bread rise, right? It only takes, uh, if you ever watch the show Moonshiners, right? When, when, when they fill the barrels up with, with water and, and whatever um, fruit or, or wheat or grain that they're going to use to make the moonshine, they put a bunch of that in to make their mash. In the mash, they put a little yeast in the mash. Now that, li that little yeast causes the, the mash to ferment. Fermentation, rotting, spoiling basically is what it's doing. It's causing the, the, the enzymes in whatever the grain or, or the fruit that is being used to make the substance that they are making potent, powerful, Strong. It doesn't take a lot of yeast. That's my point. It doesn't take a lot of yeast. It doesn't take a lot of leaven to make the problems rise up. It didn't take a lot of the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, were, they weren't many. They were, they were an elite group. Everybody knows when you're elite, you're the few at the top, and then there's the crowd, the group, the large amount of people in the middle and at the bottom. But if you're at the top, you have the ability to influence those below you. The disciples, they had no bread they're not prepared to deal with the storm that is on the horizon. Jesus tells them to take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, false doctrine, hate. Satan still hates Jesus, and he hates his disciples. The reason for that is he's fighting a battle that he cannot win. In closing, we as believers, as Christians, we need to understand what it means to be prepared. How do you prepare your heart? How do you prepare your mind? It's right there. We need to make sure that we are understanding what is in this book. We need to memorize it. We need to, we need to study it. We need to understand why Jesus says what he says. We need to understand why Paul says what he says. We need to understand why it's written the way it's written in Hebrews. We need to understand why the Old Testament was written the way it was written and the words that are put in there so that we can be prepared
when the storm comes. See, folks, we, we, we've gotten to the point where we are uh, somewhat, how, how would I say, complacent. Uh, we, we, we say, you know, well, I go to church on Sunday and, and maybe on Thursday I'll, I'll go to Bible study and drop the kids off at Awana. Those are great. Those are wonderful things to do. But we need to do more. We need to live the life that is described in this book. We need to mimic the walk that Jesus did. We need to be convicting people. We need to be bothering people. We, we, need, we need people to look at our lives and say, you know, it's something about that guy. And they should have one of two thoughts about you. Because if they're on Satan's side and you walk in the walk of Christ, they're going to hate you. But if they're on God's side, or if they're somewhere in the middle and don't know where to go, they're following you. They're wondering about you. There's something that he or she has. And I want some of that. You know, I, my walk, my Christian walk, began when I was in college at North Carolina State University. A guy named John Coffey. John was a guy I went to high school with, and we ended up at the same college. And, you know, we didn't really... We weren't really that close of friends in high school. And we, weren't, we never really became real close friends. But John had a zeal for Christ. He was strange to me. I didn't understand him. Because in my mind, I was my own God. Yeah, that's strange. Y'all hearing that from the preacher. The preacher thought he was his own God. And John broke it down to me. And he, he, he used just plain, simple English. He didn't say any thous and this and these and that. He just said, Leon, you know, think about this scientifically. And then he started breaking down. I ain't smart people, but he was really real smart. <laughs> he started breaking things down to me with science. I was like, okay, yeah, that's science, but yeah. Then he showed me in the Bible where I was, who I was. And he said, man, you got a choice to make. You know, if I'm wrong, it's no big deal. But Leon, if you're wrong, you're going to burn in hell. That took some thinking. I was still hard-headed. I was still hard-headed. I didn't come to Christ that day. But you know what? That thought stayed in the back of my head. And one day, at 23 years old, a preacher named Tony Evans came to Providence Baptist Church. And my wife and I, I got off of work late. I was a police officer at the time. I got off of work late, and I'm sure she thought, he's just going to want to go to bed. And I said, don't ask me why I said it. I said, let's, let's go see that preacher you was talking about. And we went. I don't know what the message was about. I couldn't tell you the beginning, the end, the middle, anything. But I know when he said, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to be changed today, you want to know Jesus and be saved, you want to go to heaven, when you depart this place, would you come down to the altar? 
I do not know who picked me up and carried me down to that altar. But before I knew it, I was at the altar. And God changed me that day from the inside out. Made a brand new man out of Leon Cooper. Leon was no longer his own God. He followed the true and living God. And that's just grace. That's God's grace. He worked on my heart. He, I think he had been working on my heart all the way through when I was a child. That opportunity is available today to anybody in this place. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to know him, you have that opportunity today. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to walk down to the altar, but what I am going to do, I'm going to pray right now with all heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if this prayer pertains to you, you want to be saved. You want Jesus to be in your life. You want him to indwell in your heart. Say this prayer with me. Father, I know I am a sinner. I know that there's nothing that I can do on my own that could save me. But I'm asking you right now, Lord, would you come into my heart? Would you change me from the inside out? I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was crucified, buried in a tomb with a stone in front of it and guards in front of it, the stone. He stayed in that tomb for three days, three nights. And on the third day, he rose again. And at this time, he is on the right hand of the Father. I want him to intercede on my behalf. I want him to, to send the Holy Spirit to live in my heart and change me from the inside out. Father, save me. In Jesus' name. With all heads bowed, eyes closed. If that is your prayer today, right where you're sitting, if you would just raise your hand so we can recognize, so I can recognize who you are. Right where you're sitting, just raise your hand. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, Lord. We thank you that you give us signs you help us to see where it is we need to go and what it is we need to do, Lord. And we praise you that you give us the ability to walk and talk and act in a way that glorifies you. Father, we pray that we would bother somebody. We pray that we would not conform. We pray that we would be convincing, that our lives would convince somebody that, that we've got something that they need. And we pray that our lives and our walks are convicting, that cause people to have a desire to change their ways, Lord. And we pray that we would always walk in the truth of our faith. Father, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, and we glorify your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, body of Christ.